0: Welcome back listeners to another episode of the Busby Babe podcast. Uh, Colin Dams here with Polly Questel. Uh, We'll be taking this one, just the two of us this week. And um, not a whole lot to talk about on the Manchester United front, but uh, United through officially now to the quarterfinals of the Europa League stage. And uh, we've got a few transfer rumors as well. But uh, I guess we'll start off with Europa League. But first, uh, Polly Questel, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Yeah, it's it's nice to finally sit down here and unplug myself from the internet for a bit. Like, <laughs> I, am, I am so logged on to the internet and wired up in that, uh, that on Monday, when I didn't tweet anything and didn't really participate in the Slack group, I woke up on Tuesday with a message from Brent being like, are you okay? Is everything all right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I... The Rangers had a playoff game at noon and I was taking my engagement pictures Monday afternoon. So I was just disconnected for the day. Like that's all <laughs> everything. Totally fine. Just didn't tweet today. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, uh, condolences for the New York Rangers. Um, uh, uh, was it, uh, who, who did they play against in their series or their qualifying they played,
1: series? The Carolina Hurricanes, a, uh, left about as quickly as they came. Yeah. <laughs> will they will end up playing three games in nine months because the new season isn't starting until december
0: well they've got plenty of time to contemplate on their roster
1: yeah their roster is pretty much set. i mean they know what their roster is going to look like to to be fair it's really just a matter of um will number 30 be on the team or will he retire
0: yeah well said a heck of a career um and so you've got two teams now with the once great goalkeepers, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> but the uh, well, the difference is is that um, the Rangers, their young up and coming go- goaltender, has already proven himself to be better yeah. at the New York Rangers than Henrik Lundqvist has. Um, it's just a shame Henrik Lundqvist never won a cup, because yeah. there are a few goaltenders that deserve one more than him. Yeah.
0: And uh, Dean Henderson, uh, hopefully a part of Manchester United's plans going forward. Um, but in transfer I news. I he will um, be,
1: because if yeah. you saw that thing, Sheffield had a bid denied for, yeah. I forgot who the go, but the fact that Sheffield are looking for a goalkeeper means that they know something that we don't.
0: Yeah, and uh, when we talked about the We Ain't Got No History guys, they were pretty keen on trying to sign Dean Henderson. And I think their blog posted something about uh, Manchester United were currently in talks with Dean Henderson over maybe another contract. So uh, possibly more involvement from him. And also this week, uh, Chris Smalling returning, uh, no longer part of Roma's Europa League squad. Um, do you think that he is part of all these plans? Or do you think this is another case of Solskjaer kind of talking up a player that he's he would like to move on from?
1: The latter. Uh, he is. I mean, they would have easily the reason he's not at Roma anymore is because Roma dropped the ball and uh he's Soulstar's just got no plans for him he I, yeah. I tweeted something out uh a, a few gifts from the beginning of the game against Alaska where Maguire is under pressure and the determination to play out from the back where he doesn't just clear it he finds Williams and United go on up get a two-on-one within um get a two-on-one just from playing out the back, and like that's why you do it because it creates breaks. And Smalling can't do that, and yeah. Solstar's got no use for a defender that can't do that.
0: Right. And uh, we've been linked with uh, mostly left footed center backs. Uh, Nathan Ake, who we talked about on the last podcast, has now gone to City. Uh, that's confirmed. But we are also linked with uh, Pau Torres from Villarreal and Lille's Gabriel. Um, what do you know about those two guys?
1: They're left footed. They're very similar. Um, I really like Gabrielle Paltor is a, as a year older. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where the, um, I mean, uh, Gabrielle's very good in the air and, um, I just, I don't know where everything, like, you know, how interested we are because the leaks haven't exactly been coming from the English side. Um, yep. People people said the the link to Gabrielle came from a very reputable newspaper in France who are usually spot on. They also did say that we were going that we were bidding 80 million for Nicolai Pepe last year. But (laughs) uh, but they they do have good contacts within that club. People and they they named us and they they named Everton people. I'm pretty sure he has a release clause because they basically they basically listed three clubs and they all said that they bid the same amount. So, you mm. know, it's not a bidding war. And if right. it was if it was a uh, people have said, oh, he's off to Everton anyway. And they're probably just trying to get money. But like if that was the case, then you'd put the weeks out in the English papers. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know.
0: And this isn't really a situation where there's a lot of center backs on the market either. So maybe they are waiting for some sort of bidding war, but it doesn't seem like a lot of teams are that desperate to try and buy another partner, um, for, or center back partnership. Um, and of course, uh, the big transfer, uh, saga that is going on with Manchester United. Currently, uh, we have now reached the, uh, there have been no talks chapter of the Jaden Sancho transfer saga. (laughs) Um, and a lot of conflicting reports this week but for the most part it seems like everyone says it's going to get done it's just a matter of time and it's just a matter of ed woodward kind of accepting like he did with mcguire and bruno that he's just gonna have
1: to pay that money eventually yeah i think he's trying to shift some of it from like the upfront fee to installments Yeah, yeah or or to incentives i think he's trying to shift it into incentives and and uh, from from what it sounds like, um, it sounds like Dortmund are okay with installments, but not as much incentives. Um, but yeah, when that, when every report, I mean, all the good reporters that everybody knows are all tweeting the same thing. Of like, yeah, this deal's very close. Um, and they've been saying, the same, you know, they've been saying... For weeks now, Jaden Sancho wants to leave. He wants to go back to England, and those were reputable people saying that. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday night, within a minute of each other, seven different United beat writers all tweet out verbatim the same line. It is just hilariously transparent. Um, and yeah. then when someone pulls up the headlines, how they were the exact same headlines for uh, Harry Maguire, for Bruno Fernandez, um, and I believe someone else. In there, but basically, this is Ed Woodward's game plan: is he basically will say we're not afraid to walk away from the deal. And it, there's been no news over the last, and then yesterday also a report comes out of Germany that says Jaden Sancho is totally content to play another season with Borussia Dortmund. Right? Like, okay, that flies yeah. in the face of everything we've been hearing from reputable people over the last two months. So this was just. United leaking things, Borussia Dortmund leaking things, and the last two days we've heard relatively nothing, which makes me think um, these two sides have actually gotten on the phone with each other and um, are now actually discussing it. Because when actual negotiations are happening, they're left out of the media. The media only Mm -hmm. gets – you only leak things to the media when when you're doing your ploys. There was also smoke spotted at, at Old Trafford this afternoon, and people have suggested uh, – and, like, not smoke fire smoke, but, like, smoke machines. <laughs> um yeah. And people have suggested that that could be as part of filming, like, a Jaden Santro introduction video.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's really the stuff you have to watch out for. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I that's mean, the modern day, like, my brother saw so-and-so at the airport. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my cousin works in housing development, says Art Modell put his place up for sale. It
1: could be a kit launch. like.
0: <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, the the way that it worked out, I think it was Aaron wan it was expected to be announced on what that Friday, and then they spent the whole weekend basically just leaking photos of... The thing that everyone knew was taking place where he was taking pictures with Ollie and signing and all that, and then they just released the official statement on Monday. Um, hopefully, <laughs> we'll see that something like that happen, but
1: right, you have to think that they had to get it done today because maybe, maybe tomorrow. Because when does the team go to Germany? Like, you have to think that. Sancho has, is going to have that picture where he signs a contract next to Solskjaer. Like, that's basically like a mainstay in, in terms mm-hmm. of new contracts and transfers these days. You basically can't sign a player if you don't take a picture of him with your manager. Um, and eventually this team is going to Germany to go play in the Europa League. So you have to think that that probably was going down today. I would think they weren't going to announce Sancho over the weekend. Because even if they don't publicly talk about it the way they did with Alexis, social media engagement and those numbers are still important to them but mm-hmm. then again they announced Juan Vasak on like a Saturday or a Sunday like so
0: yeah well they may also be waiting for uh, whenever our next kit and the with the two remaining or release maybe they'll up their sales with a Jaden Sancho modeling of one of those or something.
1: Yeah, I thought so, but like, you also could just, you know, if you if you unveil Jaden and Sancho, like you'll sell your red kit too. You'll sell yeah. your home kit. <laughs> I feel yeah. like those things like already been done just because, you know, like what are you gonna do? Bring bring your players in? You know, how many players were already like on that photo shoot with the home kit? Like, I would think they they knock them all out on the same day.
0: Yeah. That's true. Um, and. Uh, I guess on the transfer front, there's not really much else going on. Have we been linked with anyone else that you've seen?
1: Yeah, there's always um, there was that kid from. Uh, Port-
0: I guess, yeah, uh, Alex. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's
1: Alex Teles.
0: Is that his name? Yeah, I, I, Teas or Tal- Teles, someone like that. Uh, he's a 26-year-old left back from FC Porto, I think. And those are, were also rumors, I think, that came out of Portugal.
1: Yeah, they so. all come. Yeah. Portugal is the number one. I like cannot believe a word I am reading from you place because that is the Haven for shady agents and shady business deals and agents who, you know, represent that now that they've gotten rid of third party ownership, but like when third party ownership was a thing, it's Haven was Portugal and Atletico Madrid. Um, but there's so many just, there's so much shadiness that that comes out of Portugal, which is exactly what was happening in this, in the Bruno thing was last year. There were so many Bruno links last summer that drove United nuts because it was getting the fan base all wound up and United weren't considering signing him last summer and Mm -hmm. it worked out for the better that they ended up signing him. And he ended up being sensational. But I also think that, part of why he was so good was because he stayed those extra few months at sporting became their captain, you know, and dramatic and like very much improved as a player in those few months. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know if Bruno is as successful um, at United if they signed him last summer not to say that like oh we wouldn't we would have finished in the top four because he would have still been better than andreas pereira and jesse wingard the whole year but would he have been as good as he is now i don't know i think it worked out well the way they did it but yeah like united were going nuts because portugal just kept dropping these links and and dropping united's name in there and they were like we're not going for you yeah
0: And I think it wasn't just United, but I think City were linked with him at one point and Tottenham Hotspur were also linked with
1: Pelo Dybala. (laughs) Right. It was everybody was being linked with him. They were throwing his name out to everywhere that, you know, and that's when you also like when everybody's linked with the player, you got to kind of be like, well, wait, like whose interest, you know, is it to have all these names be linked? Obviously, the players, that's where the that's where the links are coming from.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Alex Tellez, from what I know of him and the maybe one or two times I've seen him play, he's, you know, a quick attacking left back. Um, he would definitely bring depth to a position where we've had trouble with injuries in the past. But for the most part, I don't think any Manchester United fan should expect another signing to take place before the Jaden Sancho saga is, is resolved, whether that's us getting him or not getting him, because it definitely seems like that is Ale's priority and adding more you know star power to that attacking lineup
1: yeah well i mean it's not really up to ali in, in terms of his priority uh we learned mm-hmm. early on in the season that he went to ed woodward probably i believe like in april or something and he just and he, it, it was harry Maguire is my number one guy that's the guy you have to get me um and then um juan bisaka is in there i mean like look so the fact that Harry Maguire was the last sign in that they made, it still didn't change the fact that it's no one guy. When the, the, one of the few times that Solskjaer is being truthful to the media is when he says, Ed Woodward knows what I want Like at this point. it's a, And it's a, at this point, it's out of his hands. Yes, he's probably mm-hmm. those reports that Solskjaer is frustrated that it's dragging on. And he's probably, you know, encouraging Woodward to get a move on it. I believe those. Uh, he probably is, but, like, to think, you know, Solskjaer told Woodward who they needed and who he wanted back during the lockdown. Like, that was his list. Maybe there's been yeah. a change in priority, uh, you know, move this guy up one, move this guy down one since then. But, like, it's not like it's not like Solskjaer has a weekly meeting with, with Woodward and this week he came up with a new name and said, well, what about this guy? You know, like, these are guys that United have been scouting for – weeks and years on end you know like Solstar started scouting Sancho last March he started talking about getting him like he's very much been thinking this through that it's well you know and it stays out of the media because there's the club has zero incentive to leak that kind of stuff to the media just zero mm-hmm. um all that uh, if if you had it you know the players that united are looking at they're either they're contacting their agents or they're contacting the other clubs they're working on it and the media is just if you know just because we're not linked with someone doesn't mean that we're not thinking about him and just because we're linked with someone doesn't mean we are
0: right and the speed at which the transfer deals are conducted i mean harry Maguire lasted basically all last summer um Maybe increases our impatience a little bit with the Jaden Sancho deal that we thought everything was already set in stone. But for the most part, you know, not a lot of this was talked out uh, by Manchester United beforehand. Edward were definitely likes to wait until everything is resolved in the season before he starts conducting his deals.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a frustrating aspect because we like we know Jaden Sancho. Our deal with him, even though it's technically illegal to talk to him before Dortmund say we can, but 99.9% of transfers happen this way now. Mm-hmm. I mean, City had an agreement with Maguire too. Um, but the deal is done between United and, and Sancho. It's just a matter of the compensation um, between us and Borussia Dortmund. And if, if they say no, then, you know. We, we don't have the opportunity to sign the contract, but literally, as soon as they say yes, then we put a contract in front of Borussia Dortmund, and all it is is his people look it over just to say, This is all, the, just to make sure this is all the stuff that we agreed upon. It's not like there's mm-hmm. any more negotiation that has to take place. But it's frustrating how long this drags out. Like Woodward called Lester right after the season last year, said, We want McGuire. And they said, All right, 80 million. And he was like, I think, you know, he he took a more personal we keep hearing that Ed Woodward isn't as involved in transfers anymore. And it's Matt Judge. And then every time we are in line to sign a player, somehow it's like, well, Woodward decided to take a personal interest in this one. So, yeah, I'd love to not have to kill you Ed, again and again and again. But it keeps seeing to be that it keeps falling onto your plate. So. He took a personal interest in this because he's got a good relationship with Lester's chair chairman slash chairwoman um, and said, I'll be able to negotiate with her. And it turns out he wasn't. Uh, They said, (laughs) no, we're not selling unless you give us 80 million. And at the very, on the last day, he said, I I, I guess you're right. And it was, is basically the same thing with, with sporting who backed up the price because the links were with us was so high. And, And I understand completely why uh, Ed Woodward was frustrated by that. Like, you know, when all of a sudden, when everybody's giving you 40 million pound bids for, for Bruno Fernandes and you're saying no, and then United call up and you go, oh, United are interested, 80 million then. Like, yeah, United should not pay 80 million and to talk them down from that, unfortunately takes time and it makes Woodward look worse. Which is exactly what we're getting with right now. Like you, there, there's, it's not like we don't give him the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt. But you also you don't want to be taken advantage of, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's just frustrating to watch a team like City or Chelsea, who everybody also knows they have money and they seem to be able to get things done at reasonable prices very quickly.
0: Yeah, um, the frustration from Ed Woodward and really just Manchester United transfer business in general, uh, really starts showing when City are also conducting business. I remember the summer what, 2017 when they signed what, three or four defenders by the time of the preseason tour, and we had just wrapped up. I think Matic and Lukaku, uh, or no Lindelof, I think was the first one that year. Matic didn't come Lindelof. until later. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, yeah. really right. only bringing in really only bringing in three or four players a summer just seems like you know from our perspective it's dragging out this rebuilding process but of of course it's a lot more complicated than that and for the most part we seem to be headed in the right direction so I guess that buys in more time as well um
1: I mean we do we do bring in more like people like not to brag about it but like Hannibal Medjury, Medjury was signed last summer like Mm-hmm. And that's a deal that has to get done that, you know, it's the same. and those are, you know, when when people are like, oh, city signed nine players last summer. You look through the list and you're like, OK, five of these are notable names and the other four you haven't heard of. And now five is better than three. Uh, and, you know, you wish we had we had gotten to five. But, you know, we we do sign some other guys. We we did bring in Nathan Bishop over the winter. Like, not that that's mm-hmm. anything to write home about. Uh, but like it's signings like that that we also just need to round out the club that you that you would like to see and maybe and you want to see someone maybe uh you know Hannibal Medjvari is supposed to be this extreme talent but may you know maybe probably like you'd like to see the club find a Brandon Williams type talent at a Brandon Williams or age or maybe even a year older and just sign someone mm-hmm. cheap like that like someone who. You're basically like, you're probably going to play in the U23s, but like you've got a shot at playing in the cups yeah. and stuff. Um, and
0: we, we kind of saw this with the... I do know you think he was Mark Girado. I mean, those are the kind of moves that Sir Alex like to make as well. You know, being able to pick out talent from other people's academies and maybe try to continue their development under our philosophy. Um, I, I think Solshire has made it pretty clear. He wants to try and focus on younger talent as well.
1: Right. And we and, uh, we've signed like two or, th- or I think like three or four of those kids. But like when you're signing a 16 year old, you know, you're you don't expect to see them for another three years. Right. Like, and
0: they all don't it, turn out to be Gerard Piquet.
1: <laughs> right. I would you know, I would like to see them just sign someone who's like 21 with potential and maybe like, all right, he hasn't made it at his club, but maybe a change of scenery is good. And like, you know, someone who doesn't expect to walk into the team at all really you know like you come in with the understanding you're you're going to be playing you're going to start the season with the U23s but you can you're go, you you can get a shot here uh, and yep. someone cheap like it, you know, it seems tonight. like
0: i mean that's that's kind of like what Dortmund's strategy has been because they realize their situation in Germany is not where they can keep a title contending team together like Bayern can but i mean when it comes to competing for somebody like Jude Bellingham we lost out to Borussia Dortmund because those are the kind of players they almost always buy because they know that they'll probably get more of an opportunity there than Manchester United.
1: Right. Well, Dortmund are very good at buying like the they, – they are very good at buying the Hannibal Medries and stuff and loading up their academy with that. They have a kid right now who's like scoring almost, almost two goals a game for like the U – for something that – Uh, I forget what age level he's at now, but it's like three years above his age level. And he's done this since he was 14. Like when he was 14, he was playing in the U 18s and scoring. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, uh, or what the hell is he now? He's 15. I think, I think he's eligible to start playing in the Bundesliga in November. And he probably will. Um, And he's currently playing way above his, his grade, but they're also very good at identifying Jude Bellingham. Like you come in and, um, And you'll get your first team opportunities right away. Uh, Erling Holland, probably a different story. Like I think he could have gotten into the United team right away also, but that's more Mino Rayola being like, if we move you to Dortmund, we could sell you again. Uh, And that's, um, which is also, there was, there was that factor in the Jude Bellingham deal was they, the athletic did a full report on them. They spoke with his father, and his father said, like, one of our priorities was making, you know, Bellingham could have left basically on a free. Uh, yeah. For reason. And he said, we wanted to make sure that Birmingham was taken care of. And Birmingham will receive a 20% sell-on clause um, yeah. for any potential sales. So if you go to yeah. Dortmund, then and you know you're going to get sold in two or three years, like, that's a good chunk of money for Birmingham. Whereas if you go to mm-hmm. United, who plan on keeping you for 10 years – there's no more money in it for Birmingham, so right. I think that played into it um, a bit with Bellingham. But yeah,
0: you that's also twenty th- percent of I mean whatever the market's going to be in two years when they do eventually sell him is if he turns or if he comes good, that's going to be a sizable chunk of money.
1: Right, and then you look at like the other guys that that Dortmund signed like to replace uh, to replace Christian Pulisic, they bring in Morgan Hazard and Julian Brandt. And they brought in somebody else So, like that's three guys who are obviously not the same tier. You know, you're replacing an A player with B minus players or B players um, and just, you know, a bunch of well together. If you add them up together, it's the same production, except only one of them could be on the field at a time. But. Having said that, when you sign three of them, all these players kind of get they know uh, that they aren't going to be guaranteed first teamers. And like, it would be nice if United could sign players like that. Yeah. You know, someone at that level where it's like, all right, you're not better than, um, you're not better than our best than Marcus Rashford. But like, you, if Marcus Rashford gets hurt, you're very dependable. Yeah, <laughs> so,
0: Somebody like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or somebody uh, like Jack yeah. Rulish. But like, then yeah. there's the English thing. And suddenly Jack Rulish costs 80 million pounds. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah, they're right to like kind of walk away from that deal, but no. you have to sign somebody else then. you can't just say, well, we wanted Grealish and she didn't get, it. and also you got to go to Grealish who's already on the record, basically being like, I'm concerned I'm going to get priced out of a move and be like, well, then you got to, you got to force their hand. You got to hand in a transfer request. You got to do the things that you have to do. Everybody hates on Paul Pogba last year for quote unquote, wanting to leave. Because the one thing he did was um, say, maybe it's time for a new challenge. When it came time to going off to Australia, he showed up on time. He showed up and got on that plane and went to the preseason. Antoine Griezmann did not show up to Atletico Madrid's preseason. Um, Neymar didn't show up at, at PSG uh and big oh leadership and everybody should look look up to him harry Maguire called out sick from leicester training because he basically said get this deal done and a day later he was signed by united he called yeah. out sick. he literally said that's it i'm not coming to- that's your leadership and, and he gets praised for his leadership meanwhile pogba who doesn't even who got on the plane and did and acted as a complete professional other than saying one thing everything else came from his agent is oh what a disgrace he's you know, besmirching the club. But yeah, that's what you basically need Jack Rewish to do is hand in that transfer <laughs> request. You know, be yeah. like, I'm not, not show up to training and be like, look, I want to leave. And you got to make that happen. Yeah. If after go, I want to save money and say like, we're going to retain you and take on an unhappy player. Then that's fine. And like you look at all the players that Solskjaer let, let go this year. If, if he thought that Paul Pogba didn't want to be here, he would have, he would have called Ed Woodward and said, "Get rid of him."
0: Yeah. And uh, speaking of Paul Pogba, and I guess kind of transitioning into the next topic, which is some of these player awards, uh, I was pleasantly surprised yesterday with a poll that I decided to just put out on a whim uh, on the Busby Babe Twitter. Um, I was oh, thinking
1: walk. about. I had a week on Twitter. I think I saw yeah. this poll and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't vote up, vote in it because I didn't want to be annoyed by the answers
0: <laughs> right the uh, okay so i was fully expecting uh well, first of all uh this poll is asking who is manchester united's best individual player um and the four options i put up were paul pogba bruno fernandez marcus rashford and anthony marcial and part of me was doing this because i expected a lot of people to say bruno fernandez yes um i feel like there's been you know a lot of deserved hype about his impact at Manchester United but it, at least in my mind it's kind of overshadowed the individual quality of Paul Pogba who I think is Manchester United's best individual player but
1: if it um, comes to your talent like nobody has more of it than Paul Pogba
0: right i mean and just ability to come in and immediately impact a game and you know completely change the tempo of your possession and contribute <laughs> offensively uh, he's He's just exactly what you kind of need in this team. Um, So first place was Paul Pogba. He got 46.5% of the vote. Um, Second place was Bruno Fernandez with 29.7% of the vote. Uh, Third place was Anthony Martial with 14.4%. And fourth was Marcus Rashford, 9.5%. So pleasantly surprised, I guess, by Paul Pogba, but Bruno Fernandes does come in second. Um, And I think, you know, Antonio Martial's recent form may have factored into him getting the vote over Marcus Rashford, but really both of those players I think are very similar in terms of individual quality at the moment.
1: They're very similar. I think Martial does edge him. He's a better finisher and mm-hmm. um, Martial has really shown through this year and doing in doing more simple things that don't show up in, in the stats or, or the advanced stats or anything else of just that simple stuff of by doing this, you make your teammates better and you put your teammates in position in better positions to succeed.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, Marcial has always kind of carried confidence really well. And you can tell when he has it and when he doesn't, but this season he's done a very good job of, you know, staying involved and kind of putting in the legwork outside of just scoring the goals um, and working back and getting involved in build-up play. And it's really shown how much he's worked on his game this year uh, under Solskjaer.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was something I tweeted today uh, as I was talking about Juan Bissaka, and I, I threw out the gif of that goal that gold Rashford scored against Bordemuth when we were doing that live cast, and I was like, that was such a pretty goal, but it was flagged for offside by, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, millimeters. I don't know. Uh, The VAR said it was offside. Fine. United get all the VAR decisions going their way anyway. So yeah, fine. Take away (laughs) our sixth goal. I'm not going to complain about that, but oh, was it pretty. And you look like Pogba starts this play. Pogba was starting the rush and he's carrying it up the field and there's a, there's a player all over him and he gets around him, but like, you know, the ball gets out a little bit out in front of him and Martial just drops back and presents himself with an option. Pogba, it's a six yard pass. Pogba to Martial, Martial, one touch right back to Pogba. But now that Bournemouth defenders out of the play. And now Mm -hmm. Pogba can just run free with it, lay it off to Wan-Bissaka, one touch to Rashford. And it's just simple things like that. Like here, you give me the ball. I'll give it back to you. Like I will give it right back to you. But by doing that, you took the defender. Like I just made your life much easier. And she has been yeah. doing simple things like that all season long.
0: And he's, Marcial has developed this really quick chemistry with Bruno Fernandes that has definitely helped him get those goals uh, during the period that Rashford and Pogba were out. But the experience of the four of those players all playing together finally, uh, it was really promising how quickly they clicked. But um, even in the games where we weren't playing well, those like really quick passes and just being on the same page as each other. And in the Leicester game, it was what set up the penalty, uh, like a really quick giveaway by Leicester and Bruno immediately plays it through to Martial right. That and sort he's of chemistry that he's developed with the three of them is just and he's got that really telepathic, elevated his game.
1: He's got that telepathic chemistry with Rashford. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? When, when Martial hasn't played Rashford has only scored, I think it's three goals. Yeah. Three, mm-hmm. three goals. And two of them were penalties. So, yeah. you know, when, when Rashford was, when Rashford went down, Martial couldn't do anything, but that's also because United were basically asking him fill in for Rashford on the left wing, but also be our center forward. Uh, but then as soon as Bruno came and they were able to reshape, he started scoring again. Um, yeah. so, and, and part of that is, you know, his chemistry with, um, that quick developing chemistry with Bruno, but Rashford and he has that chemistry with Rashford and not to say that Rashford doesn't have it. But like clearly Martial makes Rashford better when, you know, yeah. Rashford scores on a like when he wants when, you know, Rashford's season took off when Martial got back from injury.
0: Right. And uh, the three of them, uh, Martial, Rashford and Mason Greenwood, uh, all three nominated for what PFA Young Player of the Year. Uh, yeah. Do you think that uh, Anthony Martial maybe takes it home over the other two if, if it is a United player that wins it?
1: Uh, I mean, it's a waste of time. It's, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold's award. <laughs> um, I, this is something I wrote about back during the lockdown uh, that the U20 that the the age the age of the Young Player of the Year award is the dumbest thing in the world, and it's it's just. It's basically become an IOU award. Like Alexander Arnold's going to win it because he was incredible last year and they gave it to Raheem Sterling. And while he was incredible Mm -hmm. again this year, he wasn't as good, but like he didn't have to be as good. It was, as long as you you weren't terrible, it was like, we're going to give you the award. It it always feels like. It also
0: helps that you win the Premier League as well.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's now become like, all right, who are the two best players in the league? Like, okay, is one of them under 20? Oh, wow. What a strike from Juventus. Um, yeah it's like is uh who are the two best players in the league like is one of them under 23 oh yes okay give the other one player of the year give this one play like young player of the year and they seem to always be playing catch up so it'll be Trent Alexander-Arnold it is Martial's last year I believe that he's eligible finally mm-hmm. like you know he's only been around for five years same with Rashford but he still has some eligibility left I will say this though and this is probably going to be a hot take for the Manchester United front. <laughs> Mason Greenwood does not deserve to be on that list.
0: I agree with that. I, I mean, especially considering is the PFA is just supposed to be league play, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's what it is. It's he. Yeah. The 18 goals sounds great, but eight of them came outside the Premier League, so they should be thrown right. out. And yeah,
0: and they were against teams like you know. Europa League group stage and early league cup <laughs> and training right. and
1: then, F- and, Oh but then his but his Premier League goals were against the esteemed likes of let me pull this up. Brighton
0: and Norwich and Aston Villa.
1: Okay, so his Premier League goals have come against notable powerhouses, Sheffield United, Newcastle, Everton, Norwich, Watford, Brighton, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, and West Ham. Six of those clubs were in the relegation picture coming out of lockdown. Five of them were in the relegation battle in the final week. Yeah. And, like, let's not forget, like, you know, he went on a tear post-lockdown, but, like, fantastic. That's not player of the season. Player of the year, like, you got to do it over the full year. I think he has a fantastic chance at winning it next year. Shouldn't be in the top six this year.
0: Right. And and this isn't to take away from what he's done this year either, because, you know, a young player coming up, those are the games that you would expect him to stand out in more than the other ones and probably wouldn't want to throw him into the fire against some of the bigger teams. But, you know, it's good for his confidence and it's good showing a trajectory of growth for him. And, you know, when he is full of confidence, he's not afraid to take on people.
1: Right. I, I mean, you just look at this, the past winners of this award and it's, I mean, granted, it's all above age players like Eden Hazard yeah. winning his seventh year of first, of first team football and, and stuff, but it's,
0: yeah. or,
1: or, you know, Wayne Rooney not winning it, uh, when he had a 30 goal season because of the unofficial rule that you could only win it twice, but somehow Wayne Rooney, when he was 24, getting nominated for it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and they did, were like, well,
0: was it? Um, it was oh nine oh ten or 9 and ten was. I mean, he won the actual pl- PFA Player of the Year that, that right. year, didn't he? Uh,
1: yes, yeah. of course he did because he was the best yeah. player. But like, then they were like, we're not giving you both <laughs> because you're 24. So they gave it to James Milner <laughs> that year, and it's like, I I agree. Like Wayne Rooney should not have won it that year, but why the hell? Like, did you like? Why did he take a nomination from somebody? You know, it's like yeah. the Oscars went from five nominees for best movie to 10 solely so that five other movies could say that they are oscar that they're oscar nominated because it helps them sell tickets it helps them yeah in the grand scheme of things like it's the same thing with players like it's probably a good thing if you if you get on like the final the, the final list like for young player of the year that, that does really well for somebody's confidence like Anthony Martial like I love the guy shouldn't be on this list Mason Greenwood shouldn't be on this list
0: yeah I mean, And how many I, names do they release for the Ballon d'Or shortlist
1: I think went back to like three <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah they, it's,
0: they used to release uh, like what five goalkeepers and like 45 outfield players yeah,
1: used to be like yeah. um and like and like by by that standards also like and this is what I wrote back in March is that Marcus Rashford shouldn't be on this list either. Like, you know, it's his fourth year of first team football. Like he's not exactly a young, player. he's a very experienced player now.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So I guess going into wrapping up this episode and talking a little bit about Europa league, um, no surprise. We get past last, uh, but now Manchester United play Copenhagen on Monday in the quarterfinal of the Europa league. And, uh, Polly, you and I talked on your podcast, uh, the Sweatpants Report, uh, about a year ago now. And probably uh, we talked about, ago. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about, you know, finishing top That's four versus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was, yeah. Time is weird right now, man. Um, we, but, we talked about winning the Europa League versus top four. And now both of them are possibilities for Manchester United without the stress of needing to win the Europa League to qualify for the Champions League next season. Um, and a, perhaps a little bit fortunate that it worked out that way schedule wise for Manchester United. But winning a trophy definitely seems like something that you still value as much as you did a year ago when we first talked about this.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what football's about. It's about winning trophies. Uh, you know, we were we were the first to mock Arsenal fans when Arsene Wenger said, "Well, fourth place is like winning a trophy." Like, and yeah. I, I understand the financial rewards of it, but I, you know, it's hard to say like we had a successful season, um, you know, year after year. If you're just if you're just finishing in the top four, like if you're just finishing in the top four. Okay. But like, you got to bring something else home with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and the Europa is a trophy. Look, is it the most successful season? No, but it is, uh, it puts a bow on the season. And with this young team, this is a team that other than Paul Pogba, like what have they won where they led the team to it? You know, Marcus Rashford. Yeah. He started the Europa League final. Um, But he was along for the ride for the FA Cup and the Europa League and the League Cup. Same with with Martial. I I know Jesse Lingard scored the winning goal, but, like, you know, he's not the leader of this team. You want guys that, you know, where they have that experience. You know, you want the younger guys to get a taste of winning. And you want Rashford and Martial and uh, uh, Greenwood and... And Juan Basaka and Maguire to experience leading their team to a trophy, get a taste of it, and they'll say, "Okay, now we want more." Um, right. You know, if if uh, if you've never had pizza in your life, like I could tell you, "Oh, it's it's really good," or or the first time you have pizza, I could be like, "Yeah, this pizza is good," but like you go to this city and the pizza's even better. But if mm-hmm. you if you've never had it in your life, how do you know you want more of it? Yeah. You think, I, I know I want it. I keep hearing it's it's good. I keep seeing pictures of people eating it and and they look and they're enjoying the hell out of it, but how do you know you want more of it?
0: Holly did you just take the allegory of the cave or Plato's allegory of the cave and apply it with pizza to modern times?
1: <laughs> Basically you did. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I this is it's definitely an experience we wanted. And that's why we wanted to win the FA Cup so bad. And, you know, people who say maybe would rather win the FA Cup than the Europa League, you know, the material value is not that much different now that we have, you know, top four secured, you know, winning the Europa League versus winning the FA Cup. But but, but
1: that's not even a question. This is, yeah, that's that has not been a question since 2015 is if you were. Presented with one trophy, you have to take the Europa League because that presents you with a path to where you want to be. And this is exactly what I wrote about last week: was that if we want to make the FA Cup more relevant, we should reward a Champions League place for it. We should take that fourth place spot and give it to the FA Cup. And for everybody that wants to say, oh, that's ridiculous, that anybody can win it, here's what you do. You say fourth, you say the FA Cup gets our fourth spot, they go to the group stage. Unless, um, you know, if, if one of the top three teams wins it, then it obviously goes to fourth place. And you have to mm-hmm. you have to stay up. You have to be in the Premier League in order to do it. So this way you avoid a Wigan situation. But right. I mean, UEFA they're Oh, the, the UEFA will never go for that because they want the best teams in there. No, UEFA want the biggest names. UEFA were mm-hmm. not happy that Leicester went to the to the Champions League after winning the title. Like they didn't care that Leicester were the English champions. They they cared that Manchester United weren't there. And mm-hmm. when you look at the teams um, outside of the of the the top four that have won the the FA Cup in England over the last decade, it is Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, Wigan. So we scrapped Wigan because we got rid of that. We, we said you can't get relegated. Um, if you're relegated, then you go to the Europa League, and fourth place gets that spot again. Chelsea, very much established uh, Premier League uh, or Champions League team, and one of the years where they, if it, one of the years where they won it, they finished sixth, um, but they would have qualified for the Champions League anyway because they won the Europa. Because they,
0: won the, <laughs> well, no, they won the
1: Champions. League. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And
1: was, Arsenal. Uh, what, Eleven, twelve, I think. Yeah, Arsenal. Now they've been out of the Champions League for a bit, but they have a big global following, so that they're in. Like you know. UEFA would rather Arsenal than Wolfsburg, um, right. or even RB Leipzig. You know, Arsenal are just a bigger team. Um, I mean, at this point, Tottenham are kind of up there. That, but I would, I would still say that they'd probably prefer Tottenham or, or Chelsea or Arsenal to Tottenham. Um, and then Manchester United obviously have that fan base. And since 1995, like you have to go back to since or this century. Arsenal are the third team to win the FA Cup from outside of the European places. So for as as much as you say oh you can't do that because then anybody can make the Champions League like and it and it's so random because it's you know instead of having to do it over a 38 game season you're, you're you're doing it six times like okay but the history tells us like that's probably not going to happen. You know, three times this century just from and, outside the top six or the top yeah. the top five or six.
0: And, it's and really, it comes down to luck of the draw when that happens, too, because the way Portsmouth did it was that really ugly quarterfinal win against us. And then, you know, all Cardiff. the semifinals after that. Yeah, they beat Cardiff in the final at Wembley because every other big team had already been knocked out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even when even when Arsenal won it a few years ago, when they beat forest, uh, was it forest green and, uh, the South uh, that not, they beat non-league teams in the fifth round yeah. and the finals, uh, like the, the, the final four was still like Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City and like Liverpool or something. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. Like, so it, it's not easy, but also if you take away that third, if you take away that fourth place spot, like imagine how different United's game with Chelsea is. All of a sudden, all of a sudden they're not resting their team. Um, the, neither team is going to rest players in that semifinal because fourth place isn't enough. Like fourth place may not be enough. Had you lost to Arsenal, you you know if Chelsea lost to Arsenal, they would have been knocked out of the of the Champions League. So they would have needed to uh like because they finished fourth. So they would have wanted to ensure that they beat United so that they have that chance in the FA cup final, if they finish fourth or, you know, like, uh, if they only finish fourth, you'd have that extra layer of protection. And this is what the Europa league did five, five years ago. And since then we've gone from, uh, one English team in the last 30 years, making the final to four in the last five years and an all English final. Um, If, you know, Jose Mourinho in February started rotating his team in league games so that he could play his best 11 in in the Europa League because he said, this is my path. Um, So, yes, that might happen. Uh, Everton might say instead of pushing on uh, to try to get a few higher spots in the table, we're going to go forward in the FA Cup. It probably won't happen with a lot of it.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all of that to say, you know, winning a trophy is valuable. Um, but also with, with Manchester United, I think the circumstances for winning the Europa league this year are much different than when we needed to in 2017, because one, it feels like it would mean more this year because of the teams that are still left in it. Like playing Ajax in the final was a semi-prestigious, you know, European matchup between Manchester United and Ajax. But also uh, you look at the teams now that are left in it. Sevilla, you know, serial Europa league winners. Um, Wolves, you know, a team that we know very well and have played way too many times. And Inter Milan, you know, one of the most historic teams in, in Europe. And then Bayer Leverkusen, who maybe are not super prestigious, but they have a lot of talent in their roster.
1: Yeah, no, they are good teams left or big name teams, I guess. Yeah. Um, we're still better than them. So, like, it, it's it's a matter of go out there when you're the favorite and take care of business. Yeah. Um, And and, I mean, Inter would be a really nice one because of all the, you know, all the players that we've, we've shipped off to them. (laughs) So that would be nice to, you know, to get a one up on them. You know, three of their players played basically in our last game of the season last year between young Lukaku and, and Lexi boy. So that would be nice. I, I I just, there's, there's obviously they're going to try to win it for the tangible reasons of a trophy, et cetera, and get a taste of winning. There's you just you don't want to see them burn the players out because that's what right. we saw at the end of the season and that's I think what all fans are concerned about. But at the same time, like this is what I was talking about yesterday is we are a month away from the Premier League starting. Um, when they play when they play on Monday against Copenhagen, that's 33 days out from the Premier League starting, and yeah. our first preseason game last year was 29 days before we played Chelsea.
0: Mm-hmm. So.
1: It's the same time frame. It is. This is yeah. prepare for next season time. Make sure that your players, um, you know, we, we've given them rest. You know, Pogba played 30 minutes. Marcial played nine minutes. Bruno Rashford, Matic didn't play at all. They have had a, they will have had more than two weeks of no football. They're going to have at least three weeks off. The Premier League will, says that they're going to do a staggered start if we make the final, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is a good thing for us I mean you're you're playing you're playing
0: to like condensed periods of playing football Europa League obviously much less so than the bubble Premier League uh, restart but you know it still interrupts your form or your ability to create form uh, when you start staggering out games like that
1: well it's it's not even that it's it's you're playing a condensed season, so if we don't play that first week, if we have a week off, we got to make that game. We already know when the end of the Premier League season is, so we got to make that game up somewhere. Yep. Um, in what is already the Premier League is ending at the quote unquote normal time, only it's starting a month later. So yeah, you already have three or four games that you're cramming in. You, you now you're gonna make it five, and that like that. This is the thing is. If you're Tottenham, so you haven't played since the end of the end of July, so you're obviously going to need to play three or four friendlies to get yourself match fitness, to get your match fitness up, because the players are gonna, they're probably on vacation right now, doing absolutely nothing for three weeks. Then they'll come in for an abbreviated training camp, but you need to, you need to play some 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 football. Um, if we have four weeks off, like, and we give our 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 team, you know, two weeks off, and we say we'll see you in two weeks. We'll come back in for for training. And after a week, the Premier League starts, but we don't start. You know, that's a month of no football where your match fitness is going to go down. And you would think we need a friendly anyway, like especially if we play these next three games. Well, if we play these next three games, everybody's gotten a chance to rest. And we're also not letting our fitness levels fall, which means Mm -hmm. we're staying sharp. So we don't need as many friendlies on the back end. We can... Give everybody 10 days off and then say come back and we're going to have training camp the next 11 days maybe we'll play a friendly where everybody plays 45 minutes and then we change the entire team over at halftime but we would need that anyway and if we have an extra week off like who are we going to play because all the other teams in england are playing you know the teams mm-hmm. in the championship they they probably have two games you know because the championship right. Saturday, Tuesday.
0: It's gonna be extra condensed.
1: <laughs> and, you know, like who knows? Are are you allowed to play teams from other countries? So like, who are you gonna play? Uh, yeah. So I I think we'd be actually fine with just this three week break. And again, use use. I think Copenhagen with the right squad select. I think even even against Wolves or Sevilla, like in a in a in a potential semifinal. You don't need to play. You could play Pogba or Bruno and then switch them in like mm-hmm. one or the other in the quarters. And then, you know, 60 you really 30, it, and then you
0: know, you've got the reinforcements on the bench right. to
1: bring them on if you need them late. Right. 60, 30. And then in the semifinal, the other one gets 60. The other one gets 30. Um, mm-hmm. So you could balance out everybody's minutes. You have to you have to pick the right squad with the right pieces to make sure everybody's clicking together but and i would bring some of the starters back for this for this quarterfinal but there's some backups who even if they haven't been great like can be out there and the rest of the team can get the job done right and then in the final you go out there and you play your best 11
0: yeah you with the damn thing yeah all right well i think that is going to do it for us uh, on this episode. Um, hopefully we'll have a lot more content to discuss next week. Uh, Copenhagen game that will probably be at least more some more intensity than we saw against uh, LASK. Um, and maybe a semifinal to preview and uh, transfers to wrap up. So uh, thanks for listening and mm-hmm. we'll see you next time.